Christopher. I propose an executive order that we start the podcast. I veto it. Well, see, that's the thing about it, Hunter. You can't. And here's oh. another executive order. You're not allowed to veto me anymore, <laughs> which oh, I just said oh. you, was already a thing. Here's the thing. I have an executive order in mind, Hunter. I was thinking that we would get dinner later. How, uh, any thoughts? That sounds horrible. I don't want to... An executive order. I'll just... No, I'll just sign it now. An executive order that we'll go eat dinner later. Oh, oh no. hold on. I do declare. I have a decree. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait. An executive order that Ben Polk be on the podcast with us today. Ben, it's He's been busy. signed into law. Oh, fantastic. Because I was going to vote yay. What? What is happening? Okay, guys, you don't vote. I know we're trying to be political pundits here. You don't vote on executive... You know what? Executive order. You were asking for Hunter to vote on it. No, I said I just wanted his opinion (laughs) so then I could railroad it. Executive order. (laughs) That does sound like an executive order. You all have to go watch the entire discography of Schoolhouse Rock. What is it when it's film and not music? Teacher. Teacher. No, no. Executive. Excuse me, executive? Yes. (laughs) What if I've already done said complete collection of Schoolhouse Rock's discographies? Uh, Executive order that it should have stuck. (laughs) I'm just going to sign that here. Um, Yeah, basically everything we do is executive orders now. So I thought, you know... I, I signed a little executive order to hit the record button, and I uh, I checked my microphone level, and by executive order mandate, I raised it so that I would be audible for the podcast listeners and listeners. Let's try this. Since nothing else seems to work, you ingrates. Executive order that you go rate us on iTunes. Ooh. I, it's, it's been signed. So, but had- the power not vested in me by a Congress that doesn't exist. Me and you 17 fake these. accounts have all done that action as of yesterday. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all of our 18 five-star reviews. I just want to know how you had all this paper ready to go to sign at a moment's notice with these executive uh, orders already penned. I repurposed Trump's fast food budget into oh. the paper budget. So now oh. we have a bunch of expensive letterhead that we can write all of these executive orders on. One thing um, I will say, he does have a delightful signature, but all the presidents do, which makes me wonder, like, is that a prerequisite? Because I know adults, and adults mm. scribble their signatures. We all thought we were going to have a fancy signature, and now no one does. But all the presidents do, which makes me think, is there a special presidential signing program? And if so, how do I get into it? Bored. What you're... (laughs) That's why you listen, folks. (laughs) Because that audio gold, where we bring on a guest to discuss a topic with us, and we shout bored at them. Wait, Chris, there's two interpretations. Um, Interpretation one is that he was saying I was boring. Interpretation two is that the signing program would be boring. So I prefer to go for number two. Bored. (laughs) Bored. <laughs> oh, man. Executive order that we stop this nonsense and get into the show. If you are within the sound of my voice, then you are in luck because you are listening to carpooling. The number, the world's, the numbers world one, <laughs> the world's number one thing. Uh, there was a lot of things 
in contention this year. Air came up pretty high. Water made a run at it late in the game. Even food took a stab deep in the table. But no, Carl Pulling came out as the greatest thing, the best thing. And therefore, simply by hearing the words I am speaking now, you are in a privileged elite class. Welcome. It is a podcast that will get you fired. That's unfortunate. But you don't need a job or money or sustenance when you have the sweet dulcet tones of Carl Pooling waxing rhapsodical into your ear canal. Thank you for joining us today. Is there uh, a consent form as, for that? Because I don't know if I <laughs> am okay with it. This isn't 538, Ben. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> take that. Uh, silver stands for second place, Nate. Uh, anyhow... Yeah, Oof. take that. Uh, that would be funnier if I was Chris Gold. But, you know, whatever. Uh, if I was worth my weight in gold, we would be even richer than normal. I really need to go outside. Quarantine has not been kind to my body. Um, let's get into it today. We brought Ben on. Ben, how you been? What have you been up to? Anything new? Anything that Hunter won't shout bored at immediately? Honestly, probably not. Uh, life's been good for me, man. Um you know, lately I've actually been working on a new podcast idea. Um, I haven't picked a co-host yet, but I did record something with Hunter, and I think I might just make him stick around. One, two, three, not it. Oh, Hunter, looks like <laughs> oh, you've got to do it, man. Dang it. Well, I hope it's excited and not full of boredom, because I don't know how much more of that I can take. Um, but no, I'm super excited. Me and Ben are working on something together, and the boring part of it is indeed me. Um, so please, when that's a ready product for prime time, please enjoy, please rate, subscribe, please be excited. Um, and all did the you, other, did you, guys, uh, did you guys settle on the name yet? Yeah. It's going to be called book time for, for kiddos, the podcast. No, Hunter, that's our creepy YouTube channel side project. <laughs> oh, oh, right. There's too many projects. <laughs> I forgot. Wait, Hunter, have um, we no, settled? Cause I thought we'd weird settled. Oh, we have Okay. YouTube. never mind. We haven't settled, apparently. Uh, okay, let me just say I've heard at least one of the potential names, and it's fantastic. So you guys will be excited for that. Hey, why don't we talk about that for just a second? I think you'll remember back to our Happy Warrior episode when we talked about uh, what to do in the face of unbridled, a blistering amount of executive orders. Although we didn't know about it at the time, but one could have assumed. Um, the, the political climate in the country is against people like us. It, we currently do not have the means or the control that we have been enjoying for the past four years. And uh, truly, it is a scary time. One thing that we were talking about uh, over the break is that the culture of America is also against, against the conservative ideological movement right now. And one of the ways to fight back is to be a producer of culture and not just a, a, a ingester, a consumer of culture. And so we're going to talk about that a lot today, actually. We've got a fun topic coming up, but that's also something that you can look to Carl Pooling to do. So we're uh, in the process of growing out the Carl Pooling family of shows and family of brands, and we're, we're making some plays in certain areas, and it should be exciting. So... That is all I'll say about that for now. However, it is important to be engaged right now, and us over at the Carl Pooling headquarters are going to put our money where our mouth is on that. Yeah. 
any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I I think it's so cool what you say, Chris. You're like to add to the culture and be you know s- someone that's giving to it, which is why I've started saying I'm making content on a regular basis. Oh, um, because that's I, so sexy. I want to be a content creator and I want to be known as that. So like when someone calls me and they're like, "What's going on, man? How are you doing?" I'll be like, "Ah, uh, not much. I'm just making some content." And uh, yeah, I <laughs> really think dude, it's changing it, people's perception of conservatives. Hunter, that makes me want to be single again, so I can put that <laughs> in my Tinder bio. That's so ah. hot. It's so hot right now. <laughs> I love it. Ben, have you made any good content? Oh my gosh, I hate it. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm. I'm also really excited for this upcoming thing. It's going to be very different from this show. the The idea. But, but still revolving around the same values. The idea is going to be something along the lines of getting big ideas from big books, which is how the correct way to say it. Um, Hunter okay. has a really nerdy way that he thinks is right, but it's way more fun <laughs> to say it my way. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be Look reviewing at- some of the most impactful books of the past uh, uh, roughly 10,000 years. So it's yeah, not a big challenge time. at all. All I can say is that with Hunter shouting bored at you, Ben, and Ben with you passively aggressively airing your your marketing ideas during the recording of Carl Pooling, I who wouldn't want to listen? Guys, be excited. I'm excited for it. I expect a guest spot. If I don't get one, you're both fired, which means you won't make any of the money that I don't pay you. I was about to uh, say, when was I hired? Because it's news to me. Yeah, can I well, tell that? years ago. Go listen to episode one. Woo. It's too late now. You're trapped. Oh, no. All right. Well, that is that. Let's get into it. And let's start the way that we always love to start right at the beginning with Roadkill. Right. Hunter? So I don't have Roadkill for us today, brother. Um, which, which is why I brought son of Roadkill. A- <laughs> um, yeah, guys, I actually prepared to be on the show today. Um, Hunter actually sent me a past episode and I didn't really listen to it, but I did hear you guys say you had a roadkill segment. So I have uh-huh. a possum that I found earlier, oh, no. roughly four hours. It took me a long time. I've been wandering around the roads for several hours and I don't own a car. So that took even longer, but I found oh, a dead no. possum and I brought it and let's discuss it. I've never been more happy. This show is recorded remotely. There's not enough executive orders in the world. <laughs> To clean up the the smell, I'm imagining. Uh, but it's weird, Ben. That one doesn't look fresh. Uh, our 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 like Department of of Roads taking the day off. Who who cleans up the roadkill? So I would love to tell you what the local municipality does in the city that I happen to reside in. But then people would be able to find me, and if people were able to find me, they would bring me even more of their roadkill. So I think I'm just gonna <laughs> say I have no idea. Ben, what's that behind your house? It's it's the death ball. It's just where we stack all of the dead animals that people bring to me during their <laughs> their pilgrimage. Um, <laughs> it's like just uh, I'm thinking a hundred foot high, and generally made of raccoon. I'm a hundred foot high right now. Also, I just thought instead Heck of talking, yeah. <laughs> I also thought instead of talking about. Something mercilessly murdered today in the news. We would talk about the stock market, which has just been mercilessly murdered. 
Uh, Just talk about stockbrokers who are feeling like roadkill inside of their <laughs> 17 monitor shellacked offices getting reamed by. I mean, have you read some of like their trading names or some of their names on the Discord? No. It's oh, like Daddy no, yeah. Daddy Master sixty nine right. is squeezing Goldman Sachs out of short. The positions. first time it I went so to Wall funny. Street bets, the actual Reddit page, there was and if you have tiny ears in the room, cover them up. There was a glowing neon rainbow penis, like huh. cartoon drawn, <laughs> oh and it was it was pulsing a different color, like red, like Roy G. Biv. Just nonstop, and it even had these gigantic hairs coming off. That was my introduction, like a week ago, to Wall Street bets. It was grotesque. Like that's Never the maturity level of the individuals who are making that website. Never underestimate the power of concentrated Aspergers. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's more powerful than you think. Uh, let's talk about it. So, uh, real quick, the boring part, short selling. Um, so short selling is something that I've done before to great effect. It's great, except for you don't sleep the entire time. If you buy a stock at $10 and you hope the price goes up, well, what, how high could the price go? Numbers go up infinitely. And theoretically the stock price could go up infinitely. When you short sell something, you borrow a share from somebody who owns it usually a broker, and you sell it on the open market and you take the cash value right at that point. Later, you have to repay the broker, not in cash, but in share. So it means you have to buy the, sh the stock later, which means you're hoping the price goes down. So what I sold it for today, I hope that I can repurchase it later at a lower price, right? So these big head funds have been short selling uh, a bunch of these stocks that we're going to talk about. The thing that's so nerve-wracking about short selling is like how high could the price go in theory it could go up infinitely right just like mm -hmm. your if you long a stock if you have a long position it could go up forever your short position could get squeezed forever so it's kind of a a nightmare scenario and there's protections against losing you know everything you will own for seven generations when you do that but it's it's like truly if you just want to stay up for your entire life short stocks at any rate uh these these investors got together and colluded to raise the price of certain nostalgic 90s stocks not for the purpose of really making money because these stocks pretty much deserve to be un, were, you know yeah. valued low how they were but simply to stick it to a bunch of of hedge fund managers and stockbrokers so yeah but they're not these people aren't like smart investors they're, heroes of the republic <laughs> all right they're trolls <laughs> with a bunch of money is what they are that's exactly um, right collectively a bunch of money it's a very weird weird thing yeah that's going on right here it's yeah. a really interesting moral question i think because is what they're doing moral to some degree i i see a lot of I would say vitriol directed at hedge fund managers without a lot of right. reasoning behind the vitriol. I, I try to follow an equal number of leftists and people on the right on Twitter. 
And most of the posts I see about Wall Street bets on the left are like, yes, take the money from the rich people. It isn't, it isn't a, hey, getting justice for a wrong done. No one can really define the wrong being done. It seems that people are angry because someone has more money than them, which, which makes right. the position of the people engaging in the shorts really interesting morally. Because it's like, are you just trying to be a jerk and take money? Or are you just trying to play a smart bet and make some money? Or are you trying to hurt people for not doing anything wrong? I, I don't quite understand the answer to that. Here's the problem, and there's there's a there's multi layers of issues here. One issue is that hedge funds actually provide a public good, and that is they regulate investment, and that's not a bad thing. I don't mean regulate like government regulation. I mean that they normalize investment based on profitability. Um, it's actually useful for us to know what stocks are trading at. And hedge funds do a lot of volume that the little people can't. In fact, in a lot of cases where you see people get uh, bamboozled in the stock market, it's because groups similar to Wall Street bets than the hedge fund managers are sharing false information about stocks that have very, very low volume. So the fact that these people are in the market making volumetric trades is actually a, a, a good, not just to their investors, but to the entire market. It's useful to have people trade stocks. Um, when the market is not representing accurately the prices of certain securities, people get hurt. And that's not a great thing. Uh, they still, you know, it's. I'm not saying that people playing in the market shouldn't be at risk they should but it's easier to take advantage of people when there's not a volume of trades which translates into good information in the market the other issue here is that they the the wall street bets guys there's two options right one they actually think they're making a good play and the other one is that they're just full of envy if they're full of envy that speaks for itself. It's not that maybe it should be illegal, but it should it, it it shouldn't be something that we donate social capital to like a lot of people are right Chris, now. Chris, I think it should be something that's obvious. But unfortunately, it has become something that is not obvious thanks to identity politics, thanks to the kind of yeah. reigning ideals of the day that saying having something means that you naturally have oppressed people. So people who buy into that belief system, whether they realize it or not, don't see envy as a, as a negative. They see it as justice. So and just to throw that right out there, should be wrong and up shall be down. No, that's a totally a great point. I think that you're right for us. It's obviously wrong. Yep. Here's the problem with the other option though. If they do think that they're actually making a good investment by doing this, then what they're doing is extremely illegal because that turns this into a pump and dump scheme, which is where you convince a lot of suckers to come buy shares of something that you hold a position in to artificially raise demand, raise the price. Not only that, you're adding buyers into the market that then you can turn around and sell your shares to for an insane profit. It's illegal. It's been illegal for a very long time. So you're at this kind of crossroads where always lead to hell. If they are being sincere investors, then they're then they are breaking the law. And if they're being envious uh, rashes, then that speaks for itself. So I'm not a big fan of Wall Street bets, all things considered. But 
let's let's talk about the real the the worst problem here is in reaction to the stock prices for things like Kodak or GameStop or AMC going through the roof. Was it Kodak or Nokia? It might have been Nokia. Both, Nokia. I, I know Nokia is one. I think Kodak might have been as well. Um, certain trading platforms, consumer trading platforms for you know retail investors started blocking the purchasing of shares of these companies that were being targeted. That is a big yikes. You know, um, so back in the day, you know, we would sometimes see these flyers or these emails go out for pump and dump schemes. And they say like, oh, this company, no one's ever heard of them. They got this new technology coming out, right? And it's going to be so great. Their stock price is going to go through the roof. Go buy this penny stock now and get in while it's hot. Well, what happens every single time if you watch these these graphs of the stock prices that they'll shoot up by 400 500 a thousand percent and then they will fall right back down to where people bought them at so anybody who buys on the upslope and doesn't sell before the downslope gets massacred and loses a bunch of money and that's what what had been happening in secret is that the people who'd been sending out these letters had been slowly buying up shares of a very illiquid stock for a long time before they send out this nonsense message right mm. well the the thing is that sometimes i talk and have no idea where i'm going so that's a problem ben i'm sorry what what did you just say it'll get me back on track i was talking about something extremely interesting man it it was truly legendary (laughs) um you mean about the morality of the investments i I was talking Uh, about the morality of envy and whether or not that is a morally righteous thing or not yeah hold on just a second Oh, Weren't you trying to talk about dying. Robin Hood? I was. Thank you, Hunter. Um, I listen to people. That's very nice. I don't even. I was to looking myself. up Kodak stock. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> so, okay, buy it okay, quick. So, so I'll, I'll clean up some in this area, but the the issue, the the thing that's happening now is that, uh, or let me let me say it this way. So that's what these groups would be doing who were sending out these letters, uh, these fake emails, these fake flyers, getting people to buy the stock. It's very illegal to send the letter. It's not illegal at all to buy the security. Uh, it's not illegal to buy it if you know that it's a pump and dump scheme, and it's not illegal to buy it if you know that, it, or if you don't think that it is. It's not illegal to trade securities on bad information. What's illegal is to spread bad information for the purpose of manipulating the stock price. It, so instead of trying to stop the pump and dump behavior of Wall Street bets, Robinhood and these other consumer platforms decided to punish the individuals who were trading on the information by not allowing them to buy more shares which is is going to cause the stock price to fall. If you look at, you know, market bid ask spreads and that kind of thing, the less the less purchase orders in the market that hit the ask price, it, it prevents the stock from rising. And it, so it's kind of a crazy a crazy thing that they did. And if it's not illegal, it absolutely should be, but they they just disallowed retail speculation. And of and course it looks so sketchy wild. because all these hedge funds with amazing amounts of money are losing tons of it 
<clears throat> and then suddenly the trader that everyone is using to trade the stocks that are messing with those hedge funds, all of a sudden that trading app decides to stop doing the thing that hurts the hedge funds. So that looks really right. tricky. And of course, Robinhood's, to be fair to Robinhood, their argument is we're trying to stop people who know nothing about investing from losing their life savings, which who cares what their motivation is? It, w it was an abhorrent action. And I, I kind of think this is something that I saw most people unite on. I don't think I saw a single person, left, right, or center, on the social media sites or or in news sites, saying that what Robin Hood, what Robin Hood did was a moral good. Which, hey, at right. least we can find common ground somewhere. Well, the service that Robin Hood is selling is not to protect their investors. It's buyer beware, yeah. dude. Like, if you're going to play in the stock market, especially on individual picks, then you got to get ready to get burned. You can't you can't expect anybody to hold your hand in the stock market. Yep. And it's not just people, it's just not, not just numbers on a screen moving up and down. There's actual value to society and having a functioning stock market. Yep. Um, the, so, so Robin Hood's argument falls completely flat, in my opinion. If you bought a stock, you have to be willing to lose it. That's that's the game, man. That you have to assume the risk to possibly reap the reward. And if you don't want to live in that world, don't live in the stock market. Maybe vote for Biden. Uh and he might pass an executive order. So I think you guys have the wrong take. <laughs> I've put fifty thousand dollars into Kmart stock. Oh no, Hunter. <laughs> Hunter, that it's wasn't so one of far. them. It's so far I've lost thirty thousand dollars. I'm actually I'm gonna, googling but, the stock. But I'm I. It's okay because I'm going to take the equity out of my home and put it in there. So I'm also. It kind of looks like that new pair of shoes that your wife bought. It it doesn't seem so bad now. I'm gonna I'm gonna auction on eBay the Honda. I'm sorry, Chris. It has Son to be done. A, does that mean someone gets the birthright to the podcast? Hunt birth? Birthright. Birth? I never yes. conceived this show. Yeah. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> Who knows what Chris was up to? Fair. Fair. All I'm saying is clean the Honda before you sell it. Uh, oh, no. The, the, the important thing is, Hunter, that we still have each other. Um to eat it like we, they do in Venezuela when they get poor. Right. The, right. The, uh, yeah. If you, if you made a purchase here, I'm sorry, but it was a bad idea. That Correct. is Unless my, you made a purchase. Uh, that's a not financial ago. advice, but it is advice about finances. <laughs> you know how that goes. Uh, anyhow. Yeah. I'm very disappointed in what these, what these platforms did. And, and you know, I think that there's an analog here to something else that's important, Ben, and maybe it's not a perfect analog, but you all—you got to think this this has a similar scent to some of the stuff that's been happening to conservatives online and with Parler. It has on these social media sites. It it's familiar to that, which is effectively people are not allowed to do what they'd like to do if the elites say no, and. I'm not saying what Wall Street Bets did was good, but I don't like companies coming in and telling them they can't do it. And <clears throat> I think this is where that argument goes bad. There's one 
whenever you hear someone advocating a position like that, they say something like, well, a person who knows nothing about stock shouldn't be able to invest their life savings because they read something on Reddit. And they shouldn't be able to do that. And that argument holds some weight, and it's not the world's worst argument. But what they never consider is the other side to the argument, which what they should be saying is should the government have the power to restrict? Because I agree, in an ideal, in the perfect utopia, that person wouldn't be allowed to do that. However, we don't live in the perfect utopia. We have to live in the real world. And do you want to give the government the power to tell you what you can say online and how you can spend your money? That's the question and we not need even to just be the government. Yeah, not even, not just, even the just the government. Now it's big tech. Yeah, and, and that's why that's why, despite its shortcomings in the short term, liberty has got to be king. Certainly, because because the the question that follows up, should you be allowed to do that, is who gets to decide? Who gets to decide if you're allowed to do that? And the the truth is that no one no one better than you. And not because you're the most skilled, but because it's the most moral position to take, is that individuals should have control of their destiny uh, in it, so far as they can affect it. And I think that this, the culture shift that's happening in America right now is really the decrying part of this. Is I don't like that these big tech companies have the ability to prevent people absent judicial review that uh, that they, they can direct what they do. That's a dissolution of the culture of freedom and liberty that we've enjoyed for so long in America and has made us truly very prosperous, although it did cost the livelihood and happiness of a few. But that, man, that's, that's the dream, you know? The, the ability to accept risk and incur loss is essential to the profit motive. And you can apply that to a bunch of different areas. So anyway, stonks. What are you going to do about it? Well, don't buy them. That seems like a good idea. That's what Unless the government wants you to do. Uh, I want to be very clear. Hunter does not own any Kmart stock. Not a sale, but a Kmart stock. He's not asking you to go purchase Kmart not stock. A, not for a minute. Are we starting our own um, Wall Street bets right now? No, I already did. Everybody buy, buy, buy. It's Wall Street bets, wink, Kmart. Wall Street bots. Um, <laughs> anyhow, let's. I think that was a good segue into our main topic today, talking about these companies that seem to be robbing us of the culture of freedom. So let's jump in. Our topic today is about the Daily Wire in a certain way. Our friends over at the Daily Wire who don't know that Carl Pulling exists... <laughs> yet uh but we're on their heels are yeah right on their heels fastest growing my arse ben um (laughs) anyhow they are cool in my opinion the most important player in the conservative movement right now and that has a lot to do with ben shapiro and a lot to do with jeremy boring uh let's talk about what they've done recently the film run hide fight it is interesting for a lot of reasons one is the subject matter and its portrayal of the subject matter it's refusing to pull punches it's honesty um it's moral 
backbone as a film, even though I wouldn't call it a conservative film. It certainly seems to have a good moral structure. The other thing that makes it interesting is that it was produced, executive produced and distributed by the Daily Wire. So they didn't have a hand in making the film, but they did buy the distribution rights to the film and brought it to America. And we've all watched it. It's a great movie. It's a, it's interesting to talk about as a film, and it's also interesting to talk about as a cultural phenomena because it's a A-class film that didn't get produced in Hollywood and actually was brought to market by conservatives. And that is something that has not happened in this country for... Uh, since Netflix's well, most recent movie. I, in what way is Netflix conservative, darling? Jokes. I got them. <laughs> Good. Just if you'd clearly label them from now on. Oh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the what, what I'm saying is that th- this is something that happens very infrequently in the American film industry, and never before has it happened to this amount of success. And, and I'm sure we're gonna dive into the specific values that we're talking about and, and why this is important, but. I actually sat down to take some notes on this. And when I did, I wrote this sentence, okay, what's the importance of conservative media? And then I scratched that out and I immediately said, no, it's not that conservative media is important. It's important that we have nonpartisan media. And then I scratched that one out and I came back to the conservative media point because you're going to have values portrayed in a film stories are the method by which we convey what is important to to people around us. I think that's massively important. It's why Jesus taught in parables. It's why you don't give your kids just hard facts all the time. You tell them stories and you read them books nonstop because somehow those stories can convey more truth than the actual truth itself. It's it's how we say what's important. So I kind of went back to my original wording and said, no, it's important that we portray right values. And and I don't mean right as in con- politically right. I mean right as in correct values in the movies that we make. And just like you said, Chris, there are no movies. I, I can't think of a single movie that's been made in the past five years that was in that had intentionally conservative values and i can almost not think of a movie in the past five years a blockbuster that was made without some intentionally leftist values and and i think that's really important to notice um yeah go ahead hunter i i agree with you guys in in a lot of ways i um the one thing I think when it comes to like story stories should always be about trying to expand what morality is and explaining that to us, uh, which is a lot to the point that you were alluding to, Ben. And sometimes that comes off as conservative and sometimes that's actually liberal. You know, there's a wide range and it's better to get the balance um, than it is to get the, um, than it is to tip the scale, so to speak. And the scale's tipped in one direction. That's why it feels like such a breath, breath of fresh air to have something that's conservative. Um, but it, but it, can, it can tilt one way too much, too. Agreed. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think before we firmly plant our feet into discussing what this film does from it, it, its uh, 
morals, meanings, what it's attempting to say. Do we want to give just like a, a brief outline of what this film is? It's yeah. Run, Hide, Fight um, is Hunter, the title Hunter, of let's, it. Let's do that. Let me jump in with one thing first. Because I'd, no. like I'd like to oh, – executive order. Hunter ah, has to let me just it. say one thing first. Ah, dang Got it. Got him again. Um, it's never not useful. Uh, and look, I get why Biden likes it. Feels pretty good. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I've ever ordered was fast food. The okay, so just like Trump. <laughs> just oh no, oh no! <laughs> you either die a hero, or long enough to see yourself by four kilos <laughs> of fast food for a visiting football team. Yes. Um, yes. I, uh, there's an analogy here that's worth looking at. There are no conservative justices. Remember, we were talking about this with mm -hmm. the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. There are textual, factual justices, and then there are activist justices. Currently, there are no conservative activist judges. There are plenty of left-leaning activist judges. Um, but Amy Coney Barrett and... Uh, the the rapist we won't say his name on this podcast uh even though they this joke by the way even though they had were so contentious in their confirmation hearings and er, er, the pearl you couldn't clutch more pearls than were clutched during the kavanaugh confirmation hearing they didn't just railroad the political process and say no we're going to bend to the will of the executive and let Trump remain in office. And Kavanaugh hasn't voted conservative particularly at all. He hasn't decided conservatively. They, it, it appears they try, even though they came through the, the crucible to get there, it seems like they're trying to dutifully execute the law. The same could not be said for Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, and several of the justices that still remain on the Supreme Court. This is what that film is like. This is not a conservative film. There's nowhere in the film where someone goes, oh, abortion is wrong, or something like that. <laughs> it's just a film about truths that are larger than the film itself portrays. It, it connects with something that feels factual and real and human. And in that way, to me, it's a film produced by conservatives, but primarily it's just a good film. Let me explain to you what I mean, and then we'll get into the synopsis. And Ben, you, I'm going to borrow a little bit from a point that you, you and I were discussing previously. You have your core morality, and then you have your Hollywood morality. How many times have you been sitting on the couch, watching a TV show or watching a film, and then there is a character that uh, gets an abortion, or a character that might be engaged in a relationship that doesn't appeal to your religious beliefs or a couple in a show engages in premarital sex and it's like the climax it's the highlight of the film it's the it's the resolution of the tension right and you have to go if you're a you know christian conservative standard values you have to go okay forget everything that i believe because in the telling of this story this is good so 
so that I can engage with the story. Let me pretend that this is something that I would regularly celebrate, when as most of the time, you would, if it was your friend coming up to you and saying, hey, great news, I had premarital sex, you'd go, dude, is that the best idea? Is that really who you want to be? Is that really what you stand for? But to engage with the story, you have to go, nope, shut up my own personal beliefs. Let me l latch on to the beliefs of Hollywood and of the culture at large so that at least I can engage with the media. This is what that film refuses to and do. If and Hunter, you that's don't why develop that sense of TV morality, you will not be able to enjoy anything currently put out by the media. Anything. Right. Well, it's in, it's in everything. Yep. It's in video games now. Yep. It's in it's on television. You know, I, I've brought it up a couple times, but but you couldn't log on to Call of Duty during the summer without seeing the big message that said, "We believe Black Lives Matter." And I'm just like, "Thank you, Corporation." Someone's finally saying it. Wow. You know, look at Corporation Go. Anyhow, mm -hmm. that's what we mean by this is a conservative film. Not that it you know it, it expounds on the morality of a free market system okay with that somebody shut me up and give us the synopsis of the film i got you so the film's protagonist is named zoe zoe is a 17 year old high you school you mean it's girl. a chick yeah it's a super You've seen the movie it's a super conservative i'm not film. watching this a girl takes a gun and kills the bad guy and saves the beautiful man just like in every conservative film you've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, um, so Zoe Hall, 17-year-old high school student in her senior year, just about to graduate and get out of school. She has quite a messed up backstory, which is really fascinating and well done, I would say, in the movie. Unfortunately, on this particular day that we're following her into school, uh, several of the students break into the school with firearms and hold hostages. So it's basically a movie about a school shooting. Then it kind of goes die hard. Zoe is pretty much trying to take down the bad guys one by one as she attempts to rescue as many people as she can out of the school. And that's the plot. It's, it's a great movie. I was very it's surprised. It's a great way to put it, Ben. When Chris... It's die hard with less elevation. <laughs> Die, yes, exactly. Die Hard with less elevation, less saying yippee ki -yay, less Hans Gruber, a, a less lot less. Christmas. L way less Christmas, to be honest. Yeah. So if you like Die Hard, but you don't like Christmas, and also you're afraid of heights, definitely check out Run, Hide, Fight. It's very good. For <laughs> I can't believe that's that not the tagline. Yeah. Yeah. If you, just, if you just want a nice story that stays on the ground, Run, Hide, Fight's great for you. <laughs> You know, I want the um, cut of Run, Hide, Fight, where it's Zoe's last day at high school, and there's all these, like, cuts, like something's going to happen, but it just ends, like, in an hour and a half, and <laughs> nothing, it goes wrong. Hunter and I used to play this game, which is, how do you ruin this movie in the last 30 seconds? Uh, and the, what started the game is we watched Flight of the Phoenix with Dennis Quaid, and the whole film, there's a crash landing, and then they're trying to rebuild the plane from spare parts and water bottles and all this stuff, and there's, you know, there's these, the, the harshness of the desert, and there's these nomadic tribes that are attacking them, and the last scene is the plane taxiing off the edge of a cliff, 
and then it pulls out it back into frame and you're like oh thank god they made it and i was just like how great would it be if you just spent two hours of your life and just the world's most massive fireball erupts from underneath the cliff face like it would just be oh so anyway that would be a good one to for this film hunter for sure well yeah um, on that note but not at all. Um, I was thinking a fun way to proceed would be if I read you guys some of the film critiques. I went to Rotten Tomatoes because this is one of my favorite things. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is in the mid-20s. And the audience score is in the mid-90s. Which is just Whoa, absolutely yeah. hysterical. Which we've seen happen a lot with some of the social justice movies. The very first one I think of is the... Uh, Episode eight in Star the, Wars in the latest Star, Star Wars trilogy, which was hilariously bad. But guys, I wanna I wanna read you some of these because because I took some time. I read a lot of them actually, and I got the a real vibe for how they were feeling. And I highlighted some of the best quotes. You might not expect Cinestate, the right leaning Dallas production company, which I thought was great. At literally no point in this weirdly lumbering, sluggish movie's narrative does its grotesque tastelessness ever appear to have occurred to anyone involved. Which is awesome. But given the sensitivity around mass shootings in this country and the obstinate refusal of the NRA or its political apologists to ever accept even a degree of responsibility, it seems naive to think this wouldn't play as trivializing exploitation. Yeah, this this independent film was just another shill for big NRA. Big gun. That's so stupid and frustrating for a lot of reasons. But Ben, I'm sure you have more. While I found this film considerably less distasteful than I imagined I might going in, it's still being released by some pretty despicable people. And the film's underlying themes are gross. That said, more entertaining than one might assume. Three out of ten. That's the best I part. I would give Whoa. that guy... I would give that guy $5,000 if he could expound on the grotesque underlying themes. Yeah. Like, if that's your takeaway from the film, then you have no idea what a a thematic film is. And uh, on top of that, too, listen to his... uh, I'm going to rewrite his his article or his review in English. (laughs) I went in with a strong bias, which was overcome by the general decency of the acting and the story and the cinematography and yet i will refuse to like this film because what it's associated with that's perfect it's uh, talk about it through the looking glass way of analyzing any piece of art not just uh not just film but that uh, and there's more there's a lot of that there's a lot of consternation about this film for sure People do, or especially the establishment, the critic score, Hollywood, does not like that this film came out. And you should take note of that. And if you want proof for where the, this establishment of critics and Hollywood is leaning, look at the open politicization in the reviews. They aren't even hiding the ball. They're attacking the NRA. They're calling out the group for being right-leaning, even though they aren't at all. Like, ha- if you can find me literally any film, that any film review in the past decade that starts with the left-leaning production company, <laughs> because they're all left-leaning. Like, you don't even it need to say it. Saying. It's just an assumption. And if you need any that- proof... 
for all of Hollywood being incredibly biased, go read, actually go read the reviews. It's absolutely fascinating because you're right, Chris, they have no substance. There's nothing, the only critique, and I looked for it, the only critique I could find was people saying that making a film about school shootings is capitalizing on the tragedy that is school shootings. It's making money off of the inerrant baggage that we all carry because of the disgusting school shootings. And that yeah. just... Go ahead, Hunter. Like uh, Saving Private Ryan. Exactly. And exactly. Sands of Iwo Jima and Schindler's List and all those other movies are capitalizing off you know horrible things as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's absurd. And the other side to that, Hunter, is th- there is absolutely no way to watch this film and want to be the villain. There is no right. part of this film that glorifies violence in schools. It's, it's a harsh, harsh critique. When you watch this movie, you feel nothing but disgust mm. for the antagonist. They portray him as manipulative. They portray him as narcissistic. They portray him as a disgusting, reprehensible person. And if there is someone who is broken and messed up to the point where they're considering doing something like this, they will not watch the movie and be encouraged. They will yeah, watch the movie and be discouraged. A fantastic little vignette um, of one of the school shooters. Basically the protagonist gets the better of him and absolutely destroys the entire ideology that he has based his connection with the school shooting on. That was just made him look scene. like such a fool. Yeah, uh, it, that that scene was. It's worth watching the whole movie. Just it's worth subscribing to the Daily Wire to watch that scene. <laughs> it's worth twelve dollars a month or whatever. Uh, I mean, that is a fantastic scene. There is no glorification of school shooting going on here. And Hunter, you're exactly right in in your other point. Um, the boy in the striped pajamas makes me cry every time. That doesn't mean that the story isn't worth telling. Right. Uh, just because you don't like what it reveals about the nature of humanity doesn't mean that we're not allowed to tell that story. That's one of the reasons, Ben, I think that there's a 20% critic score and a plus 90% audience score is because this is a true story. Yeah. This story rings true with things that are deeper than school shootings. It, In my opinion, it's a very good portrayal of how people behave when their back is up against the wall. Yeah. And also how people behave when they've been told that their back is up against the wall and it's not. I think that I think that that's exactly right. And just for kicks, here's a tip, movie critics. I know that you're not prone to taking advice. You're more apt to give it. But try one on for me. If you personally are too triggered to watch a movie about a school shooting, not one that's encouraging people to commit a school shooting, but just a movie because it has a school shooting in it, don't buy a ticket. Man, I don't know when you guys forgot about this. If you don't like what someone says on Twitter, don't listen. If you can't handle a certain television show or a certain book or anything, don't engage with it. They're not playing this out in public on a loudspeaker, which is how you would prefer culture to work, you little fascists. But you can just avoid it if that's particularly triggering to you. Let me say this, and Ben, I'm going to connect it back to a point you were making about the one of the guys who's reviewing the film, who said that the themes are reprehensible. 
Well, the theme in this movie is take responsibility for your emotional baggage, for your physical situation, and for the situation that others are in as best you can. That's the theme of this movie. To say that the theme of this movie is school shooting, which is exactly what the author of that specific review is trying to do, is it's not just... I'm not calling him dumb. I'm not calling that reviewer dumb, okay? It's not intellectual. It's actually anti-intellectual. The intellectual take here, below the surface, below the coat of paint, is that this is a film about moral obligations and making yourself into the person that can make the world a better place. It is so anti... It's, it's anti-intellectual. It is dumb on purpose to say that this is a movie about school shootings. It's dumb on purpose. I have a bit of a th- acting background. I've, I acted all through high school and through college and, and some stuff on the side. And I, I feel like when you're an actor, you just watch movies just a little bit differently. You just appreciate the, the, the subtle nuances that you can tell an actor does on purpose Excuse me. And, and things like that. Excuse me. If you're going to say the next thing, you have to say it as such. As an actor. As an actor. <laughs> you make as a thespian. Oh, my God. As one who treads the boards. <laughs> So the other day I was reading Hamlet with my buddies. Right. So one of my absolute favorite moments of the film, and for me, one of the best acted, was Zoe, the protagonist, escapes. She actually gets out of the school like 10 minutes into the school shooting. And you're like, oh, man, movie's over. That's cool. And she is sprinting for her life away from the school. And part of you is like, oh, yes, girl, you made it. Oh, man. And then she stops running, and there's this really cool shot where it just pans with her as she turns around, and she just looks at the school and realizes she has to run back in. And it's it's such a pivotal... I mean, that's the moment that she accepts the battle that is before her. And Chris, exactly what you were saying with, what do you do when you're faced with truth? And I actually wrote this question down when I, I paused the movie and I wrote down, what do you do when you're faced with truth? And, and I came up with three answers. One, you run away from it, which was what Zoe started to do. It's, it's what the antagonist does. Two, you can pervert the truth, which is what I would argue all the movie critics are doing. They're perverting it into a narrative that they would like people to believe. Or three, you can face it. Yeah. And when you're confronted with something that's obviously correct, you have to pick one of those options because you can't just pretend it didn't exist you have to actually flee from it pervert it or face it and this is a movie that says no even if it's the worst thing that's ever happened you turn and you face it it's the abyss man it's it is staring into the abyss and this is true not just of this movie but in general uh what does facing the truth mean that's a that's a you hear that all the time You've got to face this, or, or I don't want to have to face that. Well, it means accepting it as truth and then integrating it into your behavior, mm. right? And that's why we use that language around the truth. You have to face the facts, right? That means to look into the abyss. It means to be pointed at it. It, it causes a physical disturbance in your behavior, based on integrating what you've learned. And the the movie really does that. Hunter, I think you were going to say something. I, I was just going to say, I think the word that we're looking here for, like, in, in place of truth is, is suffering, right? And I feel like hmm. 
I feel like that's what's the damn difference well the the difference is <laughs> Ow, the, res- yeah. the response right like the response to suffering is love right and that's what zoe shows when she goes back into the school is love for her classmates love sure. for her school and love for everything um the true the I was just saying there's there's nothing much more true than suffering. Ah, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I yeah. I, I, I think and I, I think it's just that it's just a tone difference, but but I but I think that's what this movie did a good job of doing is is showing what to what you can do. I think it sometimes it gets comical, um, in that regard. Although I think it does really yeah. good. There's there's literally a moment where like she passes a teacher in a hallway and the teacher goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and like it's like after she's killed three of her classmates, <laughs> yep. and and and, 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 and she's blood. like, are, "Are you coming out? Are you done?" And she's got a limp because she's been shot, and she's like, "No, I have to go save more people." And it's like, "Okay, you know." And then the teacher's just like, "Okay, have fun," or something like that. And it's, <laughs> it, it, but that's absolutely you know, correct. Yeah, hundred. That might have not that. So I know exactly what you're talking about. That scene actually landed really well with me because of something that we haven't talked about and something that we don't need to fully digest Uh here. But that scene made more sense to me because she was, she was actually aided supernaturally in her quest in the school. And you guys are going to think I'm talking about God. No, you're talking about mom. I'm not. I'm talking about her mother and the, her, her deceased mother rather let's be clear about this too this is not a christian conservative film there are boobs in the movie there is extreme violence in the movie and i wouldn't say any of it is gratuitous or for show um like the there's one scene where where one of the attackers makes one of the 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 spanish teacher it would be the spanish teacher get topless in this one scene to live out one of his dark fantasies and it's it's not pornographic it's simply nudity and by that i mean it's it's out of focus brief that kind of thing but you understand what's happening but this is not the blind side they're not pulling punches there's no there's no window dressing on this movie it's a badass film it is and and the that that cinematographic style actually reinforces the themes of the film and part of the reason that zoe is driven by something deeper than self-preservation is because she's dealing with the death of her mother as she proceeds through the school. So not only is she dealing with the physical threat of the shooters and the emotional distress that they are in, but she's working through, she's facing her own shadow, which is being unable to integrate the death of her mother and move on from it and grow and learn from it. So sometimes the demon that she's hunting isn't a, a you know thin art student with a shotgun. Sometimes the demon she's facing is herself, and I think that that's one of the most brilliant parts of of the movie, truly. Um, and one of the the most quote unquote conservative parts of the movie is that the the demons that are inside you are are larger than any that could be laid before you. I, I will say, Christopher, yeah, for and I, all those reasons, I really liked the mom aspect of the film too. Um, I think it's the hey Hunter. Just give a quick give give like twenty seconds on what you mean by the mom. If we're going to talk about her, let's. let's I thought just let I thought know. Christopher just did. Did he not about about dealing with mom and mom coming I, back and 
integrating that? Uh, the the mom the mom supernaturally visits Zoe to give her encouragement and oh. and suggestions and help her do what she is to do uh, during the day. That's all. Go Sorry. ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, and I'm gonna remember my point. And yep, I got it. Okay. So I like everything you just said about mom and the whole supernatural aspect to that um it's it's also where i felt like the movie was kind of reaching a little bit too far it's like it had it had this really really great excellent idea and i was really happy it was there but it just seemed a little bit out of reach um possibly even budget like you know this did not get the hollywood five million dollar budget and so they don't necessarily you know 50 billion million dollar budget um So I mean, it, that money don't have Thor, right? And it didn't have. Oh, I'm sorry, movie. it didn't have the best actress in the world. You know, it kind of has that George Lucas vibe where you have these, you know, less name old George Lucas, uh, less name actors and actresses. Um, yeah, it, it definitely. But the George Lucas vibe, not like a couple people at my church, vibe. right? It's important to <laughs> yeah, that's realize fair. that. No, it is. It is good, and I I think the thing you know, and I'm I'm putting in my art critic hat just a little bit because i think it's important to show the things that i think the film struggled with to show why i think it's important right like despite the things i think it kind of it fumbled with a little bit um i think the film overcomes all those really nicely you know and 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 it is Mm -hmm. something worth watching despite all those um you know i i think you're gonna i think you might you know see one part as a little goofy um you know i remember where zoe's being attacked by one of the protagonist and um and he's standing over her and then just as he's about to kill her he gets shot in the head and like i turned to my wife and like literally called the shot you know that happens and it's like it, yeah it's not it's not bad storytelling it's not even um a, a bad written line but it's just it it feels I'm not, I don't even want to say ham-fisted. You can just definitely see it coming. You know, it's just... Yeah. There's a few things like that, but I think the movie... It's an archetypal story, too. Yeah. Like, the person who fired that bullet is the father. Yeah. There's some things about it that are... The narrative, like I've been saying the whole time, is deeper than just the the physical elements of the story. And that doesn't mean that they, they hit on all yeah. of those. But let, let's be very clear, though, too. This is one of the best films I've seen in a while. In fact, it it's one of the best films that's come out this year. Mm-hmm. Like it, and you can there's critiques for every. Sorry, film. COVID. All year, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this has been a good year to be the best. Like the competition <laughs> has been less stiff this year for reasons I know we all uh, can see. Fair enough. But like, e- even so, it's an engaging. I personally, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Um, watching it, it's incredibly entertaining mm-hmm. it's not life-changing Mm-mm. there's a great theme to mm-hmm. it but it was an incredibly entertaining useful film yeah. yeah that's why i think and that scene go ahead i was just gonna say that scene you were just describing i was just gonna take us way back to our whole tv morality conversation because that scene that you were describing so zoe gets three bad guys the first is another girl and she barely wins the fist fight the second is a massive dude, and she only wins because she tricks him to fall down a hill. And the he was third, pretty easy to trick. He was pretty easy to trick. He wasn't the smartest. And and the third was like probably like a two hundred pound man, and she's like maybe a buck ten, soaking wet. And it was hilarious because 
as I, well, her getting hit isn't hilarious. So he's kicking the living crap out of her. And I have so much Hollywood DNA in me that says this is the moment where she does the spin around his shoulders and flip him upside the black down trick. Kick. Or like she, the, the black, the black widow, widow kick. Exactly. Right. It's like <laughs> everything in me was like, and she's about to get the better of him. And then she just starts getting hit in the face. And I was like, oof. And that actually was a great moment i thought in the movie because they didn't defy the laws of physics they didn't (laughs) pretend that two people both with no training when you put a 200 pound man and a 110 pound woman in a room that the woman is gonna just easily whoop the man like every single movie nowadays teaches us and that was what i thought was a fantastic moment because they were willing to show hey she can get her butt kicked too she does need, as Chris was saying, the archetypal divine help there, that did yeah. come to her in that moment. And that was just a weird moment for me, realizing, wow, I have Hollywood so ingrained into me. There's this really great uh, part in the Black Tower or the Dark Tower series um, where the main... Hunter, please. It prefers the African-American Tower. Okay. Uh, where Roland, the protagonist, he's the gunslinger, right? And so he has two uh, revolvers, and those are pretty, you know, those are important things for a gunslinger to have, right? And at the start of the second novel of Seven, um, Roland has his fingers cut off, uh, his two of his fingers cut off by a crab. And the whole thing that you're thinking when this happens is, how in the world is this story about a gunslinger going to work now with this guy who's got a maimed hand, you know? And it's such a good idea to put your heroes into, like, moral... uh, I'm sorry, physical jeopardy, right? Because it, like, now the entire... I mean, like, the entire series is is, uh, Stephen King having to work out this problem is he's got this, you know, he's got a gunslinger and his, you know, his ring and his pinky finger on his right hand are missing or his left hand. You know, how is he going to make that work? And I, I feel like when we treat... And it's it's a complete like freak accident that for why it happens, um, you know. And so I feel like when we treat our characters real, we treat like, um, how do you put it? Like ailments and injuries real. It makes our story so much more interesting. And when we lie about that, regardless if it's politically correct or not, it removes all that tension out of there. And then we don't we have some we have a story about gods and not so much about men. So, sure. That's, that's Hunter. I, I think you're right on. It's one of the reasons that I just don't watch superhero movies yeah. because there's nothing inter. And I know I'm the unpopular one here, but there's nothing interesting to me about unstoppable force hitting mostly unstoppable or mostly unbreakable wall. Like we all know where it goes from the beginning, and that doesn't mean it's not entertaining. But there's just no substance right. there. This movie is the exact opposite of that, where the danger for one of the first times in a long time felt real. Let's put this all in a bow. Let's wrap it up and give it to the audience. And here's here's what I think the takeaways should be and how you should engage in the future with content like this. Maybe not conservative content, but content made by conservatives that take the Overton window of what's acceptable in storytelling and expands it rapidly. So you got a story that isn't interested in being politically correct and let's think about all the other films that have been politically correct let's think about all the black widows and all of 
the what's the the story shape of water where someone you know sleeps with a atomic fish blonde and yeah atomic blonde well, there's like that that bird movie what was her that was that one about the girl who was rude to her mother but then lost her virginity so now she doesn't have to be rude anymore what it is lady bird, lady bird. uh lady bird like there, there's all I've these seen films none of these <laughs> yeah don't bother uh, although Lady Bird was entertaining, but again, it was some of the most uh, fractured I've had to be with enjoying a story in modern history. <laughs> okay. Culture matters. We've had all these films for decades that touted, you know, the girls can do everything the boys can do, etc. cetera. Uh, there's nothing wrong with with um, premarital sex and what you could really extrapolate that into is that there's nothing wrong with making uh, risking another human being is created that you're responsible for before you're ready and before you're dedicated to taking care of that thing and by the way it's that specifically that has led to the abortion argument that we're having now from a cultural perspective you can tease all of these things out now joe biden signs an executive order that says that women's sports don't exist Right, because we've the culture has become inundated with the idea that we have to be politically correct at the expense of what we all know to be true. And what we all know to be true is that women cannot compete with men in sports. I am not saying that there are not some women that are faster than some men. What I am saying is that women will never be as fast as a population as men. Period. It's just that simple. And now that you have the culture saying that that's nonsense for decades politics which is downstream of culture it's a lagging indicator now politically you can't have men and women's sports it is essential to fight for the culture if you if you allow the culture to lie the laws that dictate your life will start lying right along with it give it time and we're watching uh, this it's not a foreign example this is in our country in real time and you can see how atomic blonde leads to there's no women's sports any longer that you get to compete in the sport that you deem your sex sex to be this is a problem now you've got girls who have trained their entire life to do a certain sport and now they have to compete at a completely unfair biologically premeditated advantage disadvantage rather against guys this movie is a huge middle finger to those identity politics. It's also a huge middle finger to Lady Bird. No, you don't get to go out and live a life of decadence and then expect to have the things that you want come to you. Sacrifice is the answer. And, and instead of in Lady Bird, there's no sacrifice necessary. Here in Run, Hide, Fight... Zoe gets to pick her sacrifice. She turns around and runs back into the building. And it makes her better. It not only allows her to save her friends, but it allows her to sort through her demons. It's exactly true. And so when you, you know, we could go through examples like that for a long time simply because this movie was made rather agendaless. And then you go back to what Ben was talking about and how the critics are responding to these things. It's obvious why there is so much consternation and fear and disgust when a movie like this like this comes out at this scale, at this production quality. Because there has been entire entire sectors of the economy dedicated for decades 
to counteracting things exactly like this. And I'm not saying that this movie is the savior or that Daily Wires is... I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is that fighting in the culture matters. And the conservative ideology has absolutely lost the culture. And when we start to push back on soft spots that we find in the defense of that culture, people are going to be pissed. People are going to be pissed. We'll give 90% on Rotten Tomatoes to episode 8 and 20 to run hide fight. This is because it's not about the film. It's about winning the cultural battle at every step of the way. You got to bake the cake, man. And so you can see based on how films have been going and the outrage over this one. You can see that this is playing with fire. There's something here that's dangerous to the status quo. And danger to the status quo is not always a good thing. But if you've done a good job at identifying the flaws in the status quo and you correctly endanger that status quo in a way to manipulate those fallacies and flaws in it, you're onto something good there. This is not a season when we are going to win politically. This is not a season where we are going to succeed at the seat of government. So we have to be dedicated to the culture. So this is what my call to action, if you will, would be. Go subscribe to The Daily Wire and watch this film. You know, they're going to have a lot more films as their plan. Their plan eventually is to make a streaming service. If you care about the conservative movement and you don't care about the culture of America, the culture of liberty, the culture of free speech, the culture of actual science, the culture of I get to swing my fist around till it hits you in the nose, and you don't engage right now, then you are asleep at the wheel. You're not showing up for guard duty. This is an incredibly important thing that's happening right now. Not this film, not The Daily Wire, but the phenomena of conservatives being able to create and influence the culture. We cannot sell that right now. We cannot give up on that right now. The culture of the United States will always precede the politics. We've lost the cultural battle. We're not going to win politics in this season. You have to get engaged with the culture. You have to. And uh, we're doing it over here at Carlpooling. And even if your engagement is just to consume it, you should. Thoughts? I, I, I love all of that. I do want to say this continues to show um, me that we continue to silo ourselves into different uh, silos, you know, and we're using technology to great advantage to do that. Um, we can't get on parlor anymore even though I, I never was a member, but you know, there is no conservative Twitter. Um, you know, there is no, um, there is now a right Hollywood and things like that. And I, I think it's important to support these institutions because you're, you're being, you're being run out of town in the other ones, so to speak. However, I also think that it continues to promote, disunity um and i think it's just as important for you to make sure that these voices that you believe in that are right and moral are heard it's just as important for you to reach out to the other side as well right and say yep. you can you can have your you can have your beliefs you can have your 
um, opinions and everything like that, and I will die letting you letting you have them. Um, let let's try to make this country better. Let's talk. Let's not hate. You know, and I think you need to do that right. at every every instance while you reach out and make sure that um, conservative voices have a chance to speak into the culture. I I totally agree. Hunter, I'm someone who is hyper agreeable. I'm, I'm sure both of you know that. Oh, shut up. Shut up, Ben. I'm sorry. That's a fair point, guys. I didn't consider the fact that I should shut High up. High five, Chris. Uh, but <laughs> but as, as someone who is, there are moments where I am out to dinner and I order a cheeseburger and am brought a salad. And in that moment, everything in me just wants to say, just eat the salad. It's not that big a deal. Like you're out with friends. You don't want to make a scene. Like you don't want to be the person who's annoying to the waiter. Just eat the salad. And that's exactly what the conservative movement has been doing for a long time. And it's not that we're trying to fight dirty. It's not that we want the disunity. We don't want the disunity, just like you said, Hunter. And hopefully on a personal level, we continue to reach out to those people across the aisle. But at the same time, I've had to grow up a little bit. And part of that growing up is me learning how to look the waiter in the eye and say, hey, man, this isn't what I ordered. And and not be a jerk about it, not screw you, how dare you. But hey, I I ordered a burger. Could I please have that? And stand up for myself. And I think that's kind of a fine analogy for what's happening with the conservative movement. We don't want to order a new menu item. We didn't set out saying, oh, I sure hope we can have conservative Netflix now. No, we had literally nothing for us. There, there's literally nothing that I can watch without turning on TV morality. And I can't tell you how nice it was for one freaking movie to not have to completely turn that switch like we've been talking all night off. So yes, reach out to people. Yes, do that. But also we got to stand up and have a backbone eventually. I, I think you're... Uh, I agree with everything that just got said. I think you're both right. Hunter, I would say that the Daily Wire becoming its own streaming service and becoming its own film production company is less it, it is not that what is not unifying us just like my stance with parlor right. parlor's not what broke the culture right. the culture broken parlor is a natural outcropping of a broken culture right. that doesn't mean that there aren't dark days ahead and that we should be paying attention to that exactly like you just exposited but we but let's not let's not let's not accuse the symptoms of being the disease i agree and i'm not saying that you're doing that but that's an important thing for no, it's people just good to, to think say. about that's why yeah. don't shop at Target. Put your dollars into FNX Fit, the true conservative that's, protein powerhouse. Um, can, I don't look, know if that's true. Weak liberal soy protein is never going to give you the gains that a listener of the number one thing in the entire planet truly deserves. No, is owed. You owe gains to you, yeah. and you can only get them at fnxfit.com. Or other places uh, that have protein powder. But psych! We're buying them Every out. bottle of FNX protein comes with a Bible verse and a saucy, <laughs> racy picture of Ben Shapiro. And if you... Is that if, him with, like, out of yarmulke? <laughs> that's too sexy for me to even imagine. It's the top button of his uh, button-up, uh, halfway unbuttoned. So it's one button is, is there slightly a, unbuttoned. Is there a political question more important than what does the back of Ben's head look like? I would say that there's not. 
Um, and you know, Ben works out. FNX Fit is for working out. If you don't want to be a liberal soy boy slub, then you owe it to yourself to go to carlpulling.com slash FNX right now. FNX Fit sponsor the show. We appreciate the heck out of them. You can use checkout code carlpulling to get 15% off. Guys, I guess that kind of wraps it up. That's the thing, man. It, 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 Ben, I loved what you said. I loved your analogy. It's sad. There are dark days ahead for sure. It would be better if we could have a culture that didn't require a fractionation of that culture in order for all viewpoints to be heard. But that's not what we find ourselves in. And you know what? The censors will always be on the side of tyranny. The censorship is always on the side of fascism. So if you're someone who doesn't agree with me politically and you're saying, I won't watch this movie because of who it's associated with, just remember what your conservative friends have been dealing with for the past several decades and longer than that. And in addition to that, think about this. Do I want to be somebody who refuses to engage with art? Good art, 90% audience score, simply because of the politics. Do you want our culture to be one based around tribalism and infighting, or do you want the culture to be based on something better than that? Here at Carl Pooling, we're going to embrace all sides of the culture. We're not going to censor. We're not going to remove ourselves from the conversation. No, we're going to double down. It's time for us to take an interest in the conversation. It's one of the reasons that we started this show. It's the reason that we review books and movies, etc. ad nauseum, because it is important to be engaged now and to support people that want to bring other voices to the movement. Hot dang. Let's get out of here. Hunter, tell them where to like me on Twitter. You're at ChrisXCarl on Twitter and, and Instagram. I'm at EmotionalCarl at the same places. At Carl Pulling at the same places. You can email the show, carlpulling at gmail. You can find the show on Facebook, Carl Pulling Show. You can go to our website, www.carlpulling.com. You can buy our underwear at MeUndies. Psych, you can't do that yet, but one day maybe you can have our faces on your tuchus. Ben, where can the lovely... MeUndies, reach yeah, out. Yeah, reach, reach out. out. This is this is just waiting to happen. <laughs> uh, ben... Uh, nothing, nothing says, you know, comfortable underwear, like two brothers on each cheek. Uh, Ben, where can the, um, (laughs) Ben, where can the lovely people find you at? That's a great question, Hunter. And the answer is they can't. Cool. That's great. I have a ghillie suit on and I am in a field currently. That's how I have such great audio quality. Uh, they'll never find me. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. Nothing. But you know what, Ben? Glad to have you on the show anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for Happy being to be here. here, guys. Thanks for having me. We really me. appreciate it every time you come on. Don't be a stranger, huh? Come back and see us. Hey, and guys, I'm the most frequented guest on Carl Pooling. Again. You are you are Carl Pooling's beautiful younger brother. And, uh, Hunter, I don't even know how I'm going to stop recording. Because I'm crying at the thought of something as beautiful as having my and your visage bespackled <laughs> upon somebody's uh, chaps. I, it's just, the image is too pure and too holy for the brain to comprehend. You're welcome. Actually, I don't know if that's me. I might have an inflammation in my tear duct. I, you know what? Oh. I should call up an optometrist. You should get that tested. That, uh... <gasps> what? <laughs>